0: All right. It's so great to be with you all as always. I hope that you know that we drop shows multiple times a week. If you haven't tuned in or this is the first time, we do. And we've done almost 300 interviews over the course of the last several years. We rank in top 1% all the time of not only just spirituality, faith, and business as well. Business and entrepreneurship. I mean, it's so rad to be able to steward marketplace ministers. That's what fit and faith is all about, and you often hear me talking. But today, you hear me a bit quiet, a bit stunned, a bit in awe, and a bit enamored with not only the guest but the guest's teaching. He is a silence teacher. Have you heard of this? A silence teacher. I mean, how amazing! He talks about centering prayer, and he teaches us how to do it. He also has an incredible book called Sitting with God, A Journey to Yourself Through Centering Prayer. And it really mobilized me to want to activate in some of the truest and knowledgeable and known, for all of you who know the Word, these callings and these Jesus examples of getting alone before the Lord without speaking, without your own um, you know, preconceived notion of what is to be said or accomplished in this prayer time. It's not a checkbox, right? It's God just literally being able to be with you, to speak over you. And for the founders, innovators, and trailblazers here listening, I know that's you. I loved the element that it actually helps you through centering prayer to discover your future self, take massive action, and impact the world. And I know my people, I know you're my people because you're here listening, and that is something you aspire to because we're actually called and ordained to. And so let's go out and impact the world, but let's get a little silent first by listening to our teacher today, Rich Lewis. Rich, thanks for hanging out with us, and please, you all, be a blessing to him and get his new book off of Amazon, again, Sitting with God, A Journey to Your True Self Through Centering Prayer. Let's get into the show. grow your business for God's sake. No, really, I mean it. Grow your business for God's sake. That's right. Business is ministry and ministry is business. And it's time we take action in this belief and show up in our anointing with fresh fire. This is a cultivation conference. This is an activation conference. I want to see you reap the harvest, the promise that was predestined for you and your purpose and your calling. But you've got to go back to the root in order to do that. Come and let us water you so you can come fully alive and fully free every single day to make the impact you were born to make so others can also reap the legacy of your harvest forevermore. Let's do this. In Nashville, Tennessee, November 3rd through the 5th, you do not want to miss it. Get your tickets today at growforgod.com. That's right, and that's easy, growforgod.com. Can't wait to see you there. Hug your neck and grow together. Welcome. Welcome to the Fit and Faith podcast. I am so excited to introduce you to someone who I know is going to bring us a bit more centered because it's truly what he does in and out every single day. He's going to help us discover our future self He's going to help us take massive action in that future self so we can impact the world. And Rich, you are in good company because you are alongside founders, innovators, and trailblazers in the Fit and Faith community who want to do exactly that, take massive action and impact the world. But you teach it in a way that I don't believe anyone on the show in the past four years, 300 episodes in, has ever quite taught it. And so I love bringing new voices to the show. I'm super excited to get to know you today. Thanks for coming.
1: Great. Thanks for having me. I hope you can still see me. I I think I may have had an internet issue where I wasn't hearing hearing you, but I, so I hope you can hear me and I see you me. And let me know and if there's you. an issue.
0: You're good okay. on my end.
1: Okay, great.
0: So, Rich, I want to jump right into the backstory. I mean, you're an author, you're a teacher, you're a coach. You have literally written so many pieces. You guys, first off, need to just get into his silenceteaches.com asset resource library. Literally over 258, I think, pages of information on writing and teaching us how to center ourselves in prayer, specifically prayer centering. I want to know, like, what is prayer centering and how did you stumble
1: upon it? Sure. So centering prayer centering prayer is wordless silent prayer. So most people think of talking to God, and and by all means, I'm not suggesting stop any verbal prayer that you do, and I still pray verbally, but centering prayer is sitting with God, wordless sitting with God, and letting and going beyond our thoughts and emotions, and letting God act in us at at a deeper level beyond our, our words, our thoughts, our emotions, and let us really connect to our true self, the person God wants us to be, so that's really what centering prayer is. And I can quickly explain how you do it because people probably are wondering yeah, what, yeah, what, the heck, let's do it. what is I'm this? So, <laughs> so, centering prayer has been around for 50 years. Um, it was created actually by three Trappist monks in the early 1970s. So, three Catholic priests saw other right. forms of meditation going on in the secular world, and they wanted something for the Christian community. And one of the priests, Father William Manager, was reading a, a, a 14th century classic book called The Cloud of A Knowing. And as he read it, kind of the method of silent, wordless prayer. Jumped off the pages at him, and he began practicing it amongst himself, the other priests, um, and then they began rolling it out to the public. And then, about 10 years later, in 1984, the Contemplative Outreach Organization was created, and, and it's contemplativeoutreach.org. And it's, it has a ton, it's the main centering prayer organization with a ton of centering prayer resources and groups that practice internationally as well as in the U.S. So I just wanted people to understand. This. This practice has been around about 50 years, but the idea of silence goes all the way back to Jesus and earlier, I mean Jesus went off to be alone by himself, and we surmise he wasn't always just talking; he was just sitting with God and, and communing with God and resting in the rest of God. He wasn't always talking, particularly if he was fasting, he couldn't he he needed to conserve his energy, so he was he was sitting with God and letting God acting him and letting God nourish his soul, so that when he left the desert, he could go on his missions and do the things he was called to do by God. So th- that's a little bit about centering prayer. looks looked like you were going to say something before I was going to describe how you do it.
0: I did. I did. Well, I was just processing, like, especially in this community, there are so many people who are aspiring speakers, they're podcasters, they're teachers, they're coaches. And so we are often finding ourselves talking. Right, We're often the one who is presenting and has the mic. And just this morning, I was in a different chapter to a book about Abba Father, and it literally by Brennan Manning is his name. I'm not sure if you've, if you've heard of it or not, but he was talking have, about the powerful element of going on these eight-day retreats. I don't know why he chose eight days. You would think he would choose seven, but he would go on these eight-day retreats once per year where he would have to remain in silence the entire time. No reading, no out loud prayer, no TV, no music, no worship music, and just truly sit in silence. And I was processing it thinking, yeah, that kind of sounds terrible, a little bit frightening. I don't know where my mind or my spirit would wander in that moment, but it makes me think of the shack, the the book, the shack and how he went on this exploration essentially in his mind, um, in silence because he fell, but it was a dream that ended up putting them on this entire revelation of healing. And I think that's the word that I keep coming back to when I think about centering prayer. I just think of the healing of being in silence and being able to hear from God in a way that we're not generally attuned to.
1: No, I mean, you're exactly right. Centering prayer, I've been practicing it since 2014. Um, June, I don't know what's magical about June. Well, I discovered centering prayer in... The fourth quarter of 2013, I was looking on Amazon for a book to read and I came across Amos Smith's book, Healing the Divide, Recovering Christianity's Mystic Roots. And in his book, he talked about a practice called Centering Prayer silent, wordless prayer that he had been doing for 15 years or so up until that point. And that immediately intrigued me because silence always intrigued me. I just didn't know what to do in this silence. And I would just sit in silence for minutes at a time. And it was brutal. And I thought, I'm going to persist and see what happens. <laughs> totally. But when I discovered this practice, then I, then I had a tool for sitting with, how do you sit with God? So, and so Centering Prayer was a practice that really resonated well with me. And I decided to take it very seriously, began practicing it twice a day for 20 minutes each as much as possible and I don't know what's so magical about June 1, 2014 other than I guess I was just ready and I haven't looked back it's it's resonated with me and it really has changed me and it's not centering prayer has changed me it's God has changed me because when you sit with God and just let go of you and let God act in you and get yourself out of the way uh, God heals you and and God transforms you. Um, Should I quickly just tell people yeah. how, you're yeah, people hear, well, how do you
0: see, have, how do Centering Prayer. Yeah, I want to hear and I still have so many questions. I want to <laughs> know like beyond just how to do it because I want our listeners to know how to do that. I want to know like what are some of the revelations that you've had during that time or has there ever been like audible voice or uh, just like a sense of knowing or how does God, how is he speaking to you in that time?
1: Sure, and we'll, we'll let's get into all that. But how you do centering prayers? You sit comfortably with your eyes closed, and let and me also explain centering prayers. People will say, "Is it just meditation?" And, and yes, it is, but it's more than that. It's meditation, but it's also building a relationship with God um, in a, in a different way, where you're sitting with God and, and you're not just talking to God. Where you're you're learning to sit and listen to God. Um, is is what what it is. So centering, you sit comfortably with your eyes closed to begin your centering prayer time. You you interiorly... introduce a sacred word of usually one or two or three syllables. So it could be ocean, God, Jesus, love. And that signifies you're sitting with God and the purpose of your sit of opening to the presence and actions of God within. We don't think we're God, but we know God is within us waiting to come out and, and, and take action in the world. Um, so you you sit comfortably, close your eyes, use your sacred word to begin your sit And then as you're sitting there, as you begin engaging your thoughts, and what I mean by that is if you begin thinking about all the things you did before your sit, or you begin thinking about the errands or duties or responsibilities you have to do later that day, you realize I'm no longer sitting with God. I'm sitting with me. I'm sitting with my my routines, my planning, my plotting. You reintroduce that sacred word to come back to the purpose of your sit, of sitting with God and letting go of your engaged thoughts and just sitting with God and trusting God. And you just use the sacred word when needed to keep coming back to the present moment and purpose of your sit of returning to God, returning to God, returning to God. So it's not used as a mantra, and there are practices that use a mantra in centering prayer. It's just used when needed. And it, and it doesn't have to be a word. I, some people will use a word if they're more audible people. I quickly discovered I'm more of a visual person. So I interiorly picture um, a Jesus icon actually in my head to come back to the present moment because I'm more visual. Some people are more physical. They'll use their breath to come back. And then lastly, some people are afraid they'll fall asleep if they close their eyes. So they keep their eyes open and stare at a spot five feet or so in the distance. So that's yeah, I, essentially I, how you like-
0: – Thinking about like where I would do it, I'm immediately like that.
1: I'm doing this.
0: Rich, we must have some lag time. There we go. I can see you a bit better. I was thinking about where I would do it, right? And the the process of I couldn't lay down because I would fall asleep. I'd want to do it outside, but I feel like nature, even though nature to me there's an essence obviously of God because he made it. If I would get distracted by a bird or, like, where would my attention end up diverting? And so I think that the element of closing my eyes and actually having that visual image, I'm much a visual learner myself, that that would be really powerful.
1: No, and, and you can do it – so for people new to Centering Prayer, I'll, I'll, I suggest – Try it for 30 days, make it the first thing you do in the morning before you do anything else, and just try it for one to five minutes. So I'm not suggesting you jump right into 20 minutes, unless you want to, but make a commitment to try sitting with God for 30 days, make it the first thing you do in the morning, and try it for one to five minutes, and see, see what happens.
0: So tell me about kind of some personal revelations that you've had, because I'm curious why and why June 1st, 2014, like what was going on in your life that you felt called into action or conviction of going deeper in your faith? And then what have you learned since then?
1: So, yeah, I guess prior to Centering Prayer, as I said, I would just sit. I had learned, I had read books by Carl McCullman, and he talked a lot about the power of silence but I don't remember him sharing a practice. I since learned he actually does centering prayer. So at that time I was just sitting in silence and it was it was brutal and I forced myself to do it for minutes at a time. But when I found centering prayer in Amos Smith's book, um, I began a back and forth email dialogue with him I began reading other books so really all throughout the first quarter of 2014 I began really exploring what is the center in prayer and asking him more questions about it and then uh, and it just resonated with me and I think it was just it all came to a head where I thought this is the, this is what I need to do and it just happened to be June 1 that where I decided uh, I'm going to just try to take this seriously I'm going to sit with God as much as possible twice a day and really see what happens. And I just felt like prior to that, I was just skimming the surface with my relationship with God. It was just kind of surface level. It wasn't deep. And, it, and I don't think, and I didn't think I was really the person God wanted me to be or taking the actions God wanted me. So I thought, I, I think this might help me. I, I need to just jump into this, the centering prayer swimming pool and take it seriously and see what happens.
0: And tell me about some of those revelations like since then in the practice thereof and how even just the phraseology of like discovering your future self, taking massive action and impacting the world. How have you been able to do that from this practice?
1: Sure. So when I think about after June 1 uh, and who I am and how it's changed me um I guess God has blessed me in a number. We, we sit with God simply because we love God, and, and that's really it. And you're just continuously returning to God and trusting God. But God has a way of healing and transforming you and giving you what God knows that you need. So since I've been practicing centering prayer, I have a whole lot more confidence in myself than I, than I had prior to centering prayer. Um, I have a willingness to get out of my comfort zone, try and do new things. You know, I have more inner peace and calm. Or I'm, despite the outer chaos. So I, I work. I now work from home 100% of the of the day, and work can be very busy. So despite the outer chaos of work, I can have inner peace and hone in and get the tasks done that need to get done. Um, and I'm also, I think, I'm more present in the moment with with people and giving them the attention they deserve, and, and less reactive and just listening to them, giving them the space they they need and deserve from me, rather than immediately rendering an opinion we're telling them, this is what I think. That's not necessarily what, what that person wants. So it, it's blessed me with a lot of those fruits and an excitement for life. Not that I wasn't excited to live life, but just I'm extremely excited to live life on a daily basis and see what it has in mind. So so Centering Prayer has has, has really changed me in that prior to Centering, a lot of things I'm doing now, were were not even on the radar screen. So the idea of um, having a website, the idea of doing one-on-one coaching, the idea of having a published book the idea of john this is i've been on over 100 podcasts to share center and prayer in my book that was not on the radar screen and the idea of speaking I've, I've spoke in front of large and small groups and many of them all via via zoom all of this scared the heck out of me and i never 2014 pre-2014 never would have even done any of this stuff too scary now it's like i'm willing to just push Keep pushing the, the line of what is my comfort zone and keep expanding and tr- trust the inner and edges of God. What does God want me to do? And then just take action.
0: This concept specifically is around. Confidence associated to centering prayer is really touching home because I was just on a book writing retreat with brand new authors, budding authors who are just conceptualizing, just visualizing, just bringing to life their chapters of their own story. And confidence is a massive conversation associated to that. Of like, you know, there's a shame element associated to maybe sharing elements of your story or or traumas associated to your past. Uh, There's also what if nobody reads it and all the circling things that happen to us when we're going to put something out in public, even speaking as you're talking to or coaching for sure is a, is a viable and vulnerable space that everyone can step into in some way, shape or form. But there's that confidence piece. I think about cultivating anything as far as a leadership realm goes in silence, because I did like leadership workshops when I was younger and even from a mentorship perspective, when we're learning from a teacher, and educator now, it's very much done audibly, but it's also that idea of caught, not taught. That's our like our kind of mantra around parenting strategies as well. And I think about what God teaches in the silent moments and how rare they are.
1: No, and, and what I, I think of centering prayer as a reverse prayer that God is praying in me during this time. So when you're sitting in silence, you're not receiving it. Even if you receive a revelation, we, we let go of it because it may not really be God. It may, it may be what we want it to, to be God. So in centering prayer, we actually let go of all thoughts and emotions, no matter what happens. So even if Jesus seems to appear in your in your centering for a time, you let it go. You have an inner nudge to do something, you let it go. If it's that important outside of your centering prayer, God will make sure the inner nudge is there. So so that's what I've noticed with centering prayers. I just continuously return to God and let go of whatever happens. And outside of centering prayer that's where when I have these inner nudges, I write them down so i don't so I don't lose them and I have uh, I guess I have what's my 'll call it my, my future self barometer of how do I know these are th- I'm a big believer in affirmation so I'll write down goals in all areas of my life whether it's personal career, family, health um, finances uh, etc i'll write I'll jot down a single sentence statement and then how I know there are a future self that God wants me to do and B is, you know, if there's an inner peace and calm about it, there's an excitement about it. It doesn't harm me. It doesn't harm others. And it, even if it pushes me out of my comfort zone and God wants me to move out of my comfort zone, if it hits all of those, I continue doing it. If some, if suddenly one day, one of them, it doesn't quite seem right. I may slow down and, and take another look at it, but that's, that's worked for me for the for, since I've been practicing Centering Prayer. So I use it as my barometer of this is an affirmation and this is a goal that God wants me to continue pursuing.
0: I think there's that the piece of writing it down because that's what my literal next concept was thinking like, well, gosh, it, it kind of feels like you're in a bit of a dream state, like you'd be in a in a dream state as you're receiving because you know when you're in a dream and you can like see what's happening and you feel like you're watching the movie but you're inside of the movie. And so I feel like if God was just speaking over me, I would want to just like one, stay there for probably longer than I would recognize, but simultaneously that I'd want to capture it. And so are there ever times where the capturing is just kind of the essence, it becomes the new essence of who you are as you walk into that next moment, not in centering prayer, or do you, do you tend to write it all down, journal Um, it out?
1: I I, journaling and centering prayer go hand in hand. If I I had read about the power of journaling and I never did it and it wasn't, I'm embarrassed to say, I'll just say it. I really didn't start journaling until about May of this year.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. I heard
1: how powerful it was and man, it it is powerful. So the combining centering prayer with journaling has been very powerful because the inner nudges that I receive during centering prayer, I then outside of centering prayer, I begin writing. So every morning I, I write, I actually, I'll, I'll write and then go into my Centering Prayer sits, but I'm, I'm writing – and sometimes I write at night too. I'll either write at night and in the morning, but often before Centering Prayer sits. And anything that I feel I need – that needs to be said is said, whether I'm venting or complaining or setting goals or lamenting to God and maybe having a pity party for myself. So anything goes, and it could be a, a short – phrase it could be a single word it could be a sentence it could be a paragraph i don't let i just let whatever feels that it should be be and i've just noticed how powerful journaling is because yeah centering prayer is sitting with god and then outside of centering prayer well what is god what is god revealing to me in centering prayer i need to write it down so that's where when i'm journaling that's where i'm writing down what am i hearing from god what do i think god wants me to do what are the next steps god wants me to take
0: So in your book, Sitting with God, are you talking through revelations or is it more of a how-to? Tell us a bit about that.
1: It's a little bit of both. So, center the, the book itself um, shares what is centering prayer for new people and how to do it. It talks about how to go deeper in your existing practice if you're if we're an existing practitioner. It also talks about your true self and, and who is this person, and, and that centering prayer connects you to your true self, the person God wants you to you to be. Because if you think about it, during centering prayer, you're letting go, and you take the letting go attitude or posture with you outside of your center and prayer sit so you let go of who you are not and become who you are you let go of things you tell yourself that are harmful such as i'm too young or i'm too old or i don't have the right um skill set or i'm the wrong person for this or all the things we tell ourselves that are just not true so you let them go and what's left is what you should be and then and then you just have to have the courage to to do it and and trust God. I think of it as I sit with God, then I get up and I walk with God. God God doesn't leave me and say, I'll see you again at your next sit. God comes with me and partners with me on, on the actions that I take.
0: I just think of ego, you know, the ego element of that. And if people haven't done a lot of ego work or emotional intelligence work, uh, I feel because we're so... And I want to say this kindly, but I, I think it's true. We're pretty self-centered in in the way that we exist, in the way that society emulates how we should exist, and in comparison, and in success, and really a lot of areas of life. Uh, and so to get into this space and really let that ego go and focus in on what he says over us, which is the truth of our identity— it, I feel like, would can like really, really change a lot of people, especially those who are egocentric or narcissistic, if they had that time to be able to get rid of that and really just be loved. Cause isn't that at the root what everybody wants is just be seen, known, and loved?
1: Right. And that's really what centering prayer is it's just sitting with God, being loved by God, being healed by God, and then listening to the inner nudges from God, and getting your ego out of the way. And, and instead of, doing what you think you should do doing what god wants you to do which which really is much better
0: <laughs> and, oh yeah and, oh, and will yeah.
1: we'll work out better for you and and one quick thing i'll say about centering prayer you know it's considered divine therapy there's a lot of things happening each time you you return to your sit so if you think about it you know you have a ton of tension that you hold in your body whether it's in your forehead or your shoulders your stomach so every time you sit you're releasing the tension in your body and then you're letting go of thoughts that you know you have. You're also letting go of repressed thoughts that you didn't know you have. So if, if you continuously practice centering prayer twice a day or even once a day, you know, daily, weekly, monthly, and then years pass, it's tremendous healing. You're getting rid of bodily tension. You're getting rid of repressed thoughts. You're getting rid of thoughts that you know you continue to hold on to but should let go of, and it's true freedom. And then what's left is the person God wants you to be that you have just haven't taken any action on until you've let go of all of this other emotional and, and it's physical stress of, of a lifetime.
0: I know. It feels so freeing. Like you're talking about I'm like, let's just do it. Let's just do it right now on the show. We'll just be completely (laughs) dead silent. Ready? Just kidding. No, but as I I think about for you specifically uh, in curiosity is this is – pretty counterintuitive, in, in my opinion, to what definitely religion teaches and even what a lot of churches practice now. I mean, you go to a church service, when does everybody ever sit in silence? Even worship their sound, right? Even even worship their singing to you or something is being put presented to you as a concept and they don't really ever just say, let's just be silent before the Lord, even though there's many, many times that Jesus does this biblically and the Lord tells us to do it. Like it's a summon, it's a call, it's a command. And so I want to know from even maybe juxtaposition or contradiction to the, the walk that you had pre-centering prayer in your Christian faith, how has that changed or have you gotten backlash from people who are in their, in their faith?
1: Um, I haven't gotten backlash. It's, it's just, I mean, exactly what you're saying. It's not commonly thought of, of as prayer. It's more, I guess the Western church doesn't accept silence as much. The Eastern church uh, has always practiced silence. And, and, and this, as we both discussed, goes back to Jesus and goes back into the Old Testament prior prior to Jesus. So it's just not thought of as prayer. So I I haven't gotten backlash, but no, I know some people have, or they're thinking, well, you're just being a Buddhist. Yeah, and, right. and, So I guess what I'll yeah. tell people is it's, it's not just meditation. It is building a relationship with God and we're letting God acting us beyond our words, beyond our thoughts, beyond our images. And God is, God is within us and, and we're touching that piece of God that we're not touching. Um, we don't get to touch, I guess, if we just do verbal prayer.
0: It's, I mean, I'm kind of, I won't say, I won't say convicted. I come to every show and I'm always like, okay, God, convict me in a space that I need to be convicted. But um, I think I, I process speed. I process the speed. I process the listening skills. And as leaders who are listening to the show, as entrepreneurs, or people who are just guidance of any sort, even as a parent, we are constantly talking. And so I just, I'm like eager to hear from the Lord. And and I know that my counterparts are in the same, like we're like, God, let's like, we want to hear from you. I want to know, I want to know you more. And yet the knowing process, when I'm getting to know you, I just have so many questions that I want to ask, right? So it takes my reciprocation of being quiet to hear from you. And there's not a practice, even in Catholicism, right? Like you go in and you repent and you're telling somebody to say a prayer for you. At what point does like the father will reciprocate and be like, you've been forgiven, but are they actually ever hearing from the Lord or quiet before the Lord in their repentance? So just really unique and and not something that you hear often. I, I have children who go to a Quaker school um, and so obviously an element of Protestant, element of, of Christianity, and they actually do something called meeting for worship in Quakers, worship in silence. Right. And so it's 30 minutes of practice silence with 125 kids, if you can imagine that, inside of their schoolhouse, and they put a query out, which it sounds a lot like what your intentional word would be. And the query could be something around the holiday, it could be something around um, something that happened politically or in the community, and they just want them to sit with it. But they do one element that is not something you're talking about here is that if the child feels like their palms getting sweaty or if they sense like butterflies in their belly, then what they're simmering on isn't just meant for them. It's meant for the collective whole. And so they encourage them to stand and share their thought. And so sometimes it breaks that silence and goes into a conversation, not conversation, but more so thought sharing that can really um, turn the entire community for an emotional spin, depending on how it it launches into conversation. Um, So I just wanted to share that there are kiddos even that are practicing silence. And I think if we could give that to our children as a gift now, how much more practice of hearing from the Lord they could have rather than our, us as adults who are like, I can't sit still for a minute in <laughs> silence.
1: No, I was, I was intrigued by the Quakers. So I actually went to it many years back. I went to the traditional Quaker service and it's pretty much exactly what you said. I went to, a, it was built in the early 1800s, walked in, sat on, on the wooden bench and, and they kind of had elevated It was like a bleacher system or whatever. And I sat and then the doors shut and they began the silence And then in the middle of the silence, if someone had something to say that they thought was important, they would say it. And then they would stop and sit down, and then we would be back to silence. But the neat thing, I was shocked. There was about 100 people sitting there, and it was not just adults. It was children. So it was adults and children sitting in silence doing this. And then after uh, it was probably 30 or 40 minutes of silence, then they had announcements and they welcomed any new people and they they had prayers if anybody needed to be prayed for. And then they had their duty, they had their, I guess, their activities after the service. So it was just the need to experience the traditional Quaker service of just sitting and, and waiting on God. But they did kind of exactly what, they didn't have queries, but similar to what you said, if someone... Three or four people would say something in the middle of the silence and then sit back down because they felt they had something that they needed to share.
0: Yeah, and it, it kind of reminds me of elements even in like funerals, right, where there's like this practiced silence before even music starts, that the family is kind of gathering and preparing. And so, I mean, I just think if we were to visualize and also recognize that there are so many times where we have an opportunity to sit before the Lord and we just fill it with, we fill it with something right? Like those early morning moments where for me, I wake up before the sun and before my kiddos. And so there's so much silence. It's such, it's like my favorite, sweetest time of the day often. Uh, But even times where you're driving, even times where you're showering, where you, I end up turning on a podcast or an audible, or I turn on music and there's, I constantly fill this void and I do it because I, I think I feel like I'd be alone otherwise, but isn't like that a, like a massive call on us as an individual is to be alone and know what it's like to be alone.
1: No, I, I agree. And some people, cause I, I, practice twice a day. So I practice first thing in the morning and it's about a 30 to 45 minute routine of, you know, reading, journaling, and, and at least a 20 minute sit. But then I take a second sit, usually before lunch, and many people will say, I don't have time for the second sit, and I tell them, it, it, you need to sit with God because God refills you, replenishes you, refills your inter- interior reserves, and helps you finish the day. So I'll challenge people to do that, and, and it is hard. So you think you're too busy. I, don't have, I can't take the time away from my I'm more productive.
0: Rich, I'm not sure if you're still sharing. It looks like you froze on my end. And I am just really hopeful that those who are listening had a a moment to be silent and have centered prayer. And since I do not see him anymore, I am going to go ahead and close this show. But I want it to be with intention. And I know that God is so good and He's so intentional in our times, even this very podcast, even this very moment, that if I just had our amazing podcast manager clip this sound and continue silence and yet the show not be over without a farewell, without uh, an expectation of when, but just that one to five minutes, I would just encourage you to Get silent before the Lord. You know, Rich has a a website called silenceteaches.com. I mentioned it out the beginning. And so I really encourage you to check them out. He has a one-on-one coaching experience, many books, as I said, also some resources even to just sit um, and learn. About different on concepts of breath and doing this work and what it has done for his life, and so you can invite him to speak. And he obviously is someone who just brings about such peace and such grace in the way that he does so. So I encourage you to find time, find time today, sit before the Lord, and see what He has to say about you. I know that you are loved, and and that's really truly where I get my heart set for today is to, that you are a beloved. I would love if you would take time to rate and review the show i don't often ask this and you might hear it very briefly in the intros from time to time but truly this is little golden nuggets for us as podcasters to be able to encourage others to participate and others who would otherwise never see the show and so rich joined us one more time i want to give him an opportunity to give you a farewell and uh, encourage you no different than I just did to sit with the Lord today. Rich, do you have any final words for the audience before we end today's show? All right. I was just giving you a couple more minutes to be silent. <laughs> All right, guys, I want you to enjoy the rest of your day. Be still before the Lord. His, his verse associated to this will leave you in a space of remembrance uh, out of Matthew that we are literally called to do this exact thing. We're called to go and sit before the Lord. When you pray, go to your inner room and close the door. Matthew 6.6. 6. And as I set out the gate, this is not only to hear from the Lord. This is for the Lord to meet with you, to love you, to love over top of you so that you can discover your future self, take massive action, and impact the world in that higher element of whose you are. Blessings, y'all. Hey y'all, it's me again. Before you go, let's solidify the flame that was ignited within you today by sharing the spark with your own community. Whether it's mentally, physically, emotionally, relationally, or spiritually, I would love for you to take the step right now by declaring your takeaway. Snap a pic of the episode and share it on your stories or posts, and you can tag me and the guests, and we will surely feature you on our Insta's. Hey, you might even unlock a new accountability buddy in me or them. We're totally in this together and we appreciate the extra step taken. Thanks again for being a loyal listener, and I hope to meet you in person soon at one of the events that we are speaking at or hosting, and I say we because the Fit and Faith team could not do this without you. Until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. This is the Fit and Faith way. What do you do when the world around you is falling apart?